Well, good morning, Grace Community Church. How are you guys this morning? Awesome. Guys are well. You know, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I love you second service people. You know why I love you second service people? It's because second service people actually laugh at my jokes. I'm serious. You guys actually laugh at my jokes. I'll tell the same joke to third service people. I'll get groans. I've heard like, oh, that was real rough. And so I love you second service people because you're like that giddy junior high, you know, girl who just laughs at everything. And so let me encourage you, you know, you know if I say a joke, just laugh at it. You know, just at least make me feel good because third service people aren't going to laugh at any of my jokes. So for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Dan. And I have the privilege of serving as youth pastor here at Grace. And I've almost been here a full year. Uh, I started uh, early, middle August last year, and it's been a good year. It's been a good year. But I was thinking to myself yesterday, um, man, I've learned a lot. And a lot of things have happened in the last year. And so I came up with some different things that I've learned or experienced uh, while at this church or while living in Elkhart County. And so in no particular order, here are just a few things. Uh, I moved, moved from Kendallville to here. I got married, I got married in November uh, to a wonderful gal named Kim. I learned what a haystack supper is. That's very important if you're going to make it in this area. You've got to know how to communicate with the natives and what type of food things there are. I got addicted to the chief ice cream. I got it, yes. I got addicted to chief ice cream. Just one cone is all it took, you know, just one. Uh, I also discovered uh, that within our congregation, there is a disease that I call the insanity of being a Notre Dame football fan. If you agree with me, can I get an amen? Amen. And everyone who didn't say amen is going to wear their Notre Dame football jersey and meet me in the parking lot afterwards. I'm sure that'll happen. But uh, I've learned some things about our church, too, about Grace Community Church. Uh, This is a church that loves people. Uh, It loves people uh, from toddlers all the way up to its senior citizens. Uh, It's a church that takes God's word seriously. We preach God's word. We preach truth every Sunday morning. But at the same time, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And we know how to have some fun. And we know how to celebrate as well. Uh, This has been a really busy uh, year for me. It's been actually a real busy past month. A few weeks ago, I was on a mission trip, took some senior hires to Kentucky. And uh, we were outside of Hazard, uh, the county next over, called Leslie County. It's the number one county per popular for drug abuse in the entire state of Kentucky. And so we took some teenagers there, and uh, we drove around the haulers, and uh, we'd pick students up. And uh, we got to share God's love with them and saw kids make some decisions for the Lord. This last week, I was at uh, Urban Hope uh, with some fifth graders and uh, some middle schoolers. They did an awesome job uh, reaching uh, people in the inner city of Philadelphia. And on Tuesday, I have the privilege of leaving to go to the Momentum Youth Conference and uh, taking 80 teens. We're going to Chicago, uh, Wheaton University. Excited to see what God's going to do in our teens' lives. Uh, We have some outreach on Saturday, uh, Worker Park in Chicago, and uh, just really excited to uh, see what God is going to do. It's been a busy month, but it's been a good month. When you're serving Jesus, there's nothing like it. And so it's been been just a a great month uh, serving. And once again, excited to be with you. This morning, well, we've been doing a, a new preaching series. It's on uh, the book of First John, uh, and so I, I, I want to get the brain juices flowing here. Uh, I want to, don't open up your Bibles, but I want you uh, to think about this trivia question. Here it is: 
how many books in the Bible have the name John in them? How many books in the Bible have the name John in them? This is first John. There's got to be more than that. So you have to say at least two. All right, ready? Answer, four. Very good. There are four books in the Bible that have the name John in them. You have the Gospel of John. So in the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic Gospels. In other words, a lot of the material, 90% of the material, uh, they cover about 90% of the same material in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's a little bit different. Some, it has different, some different parables and uh, teachings, and some of the miracles of Jesus are found in the book of John. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about Jesus, you want to learn about more about the history, the narrative of Jesus, let me encourage you to read the Gospel of John. It's a great place to start. John also wrote three other books, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And he wrote them to encourage the church as well as to instruct them regarding false teaching. And so we're talking about 1 John. And so let me encourage you uh, to open up your Bibles to the book of 1 John. Uh, Pastor Jim last week talked about uh, uh, what it means to, to live in light. And that we are reflectors of God's light. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about how we can make sure we are remaining in light instead of darkness. If you don't have a Bible, let me encourage you to raise your hand. Our ushers are walking around. They'd be more than happy to place a Bible within your hand. If you don't have a Bible, uh, this is our gift from Grace Community Church to you. Uh, We're going to be picking it up uh, in the book of 1 John, and we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 2. And once again, we're going to be talking a little bit about light and darkness. Uh, What are some ways that we can make sure that we're living uh, according to God's standards, that we're living in light and we're not in darkness? Uh, 1 John chapter 2, let me encourage you to stand uh, if you're in the main link, and we're going to read the first six verses in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. Ready, read. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anybody obeys his word, the love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You may be seated. We're going to be looking at the first 14 uh, verses in 1 John chapter 2, and we're talking about light as compared to darkness. How can we make sure that we're walking uh, according to God's standards, walking in the light? So I did a quick uh, word study, and in those first 14 verses, the word light is used three times, and the word darkness is used four times. And so we have a contrast here between light and a contrast to darkness. And so we're going to be talking, giving some examples of how we as believers in Jesus Christ can be walking in the light. The first way that you and I can remain in the light is to understand that God always has our back and he is always defending us. God has our back and he is always, always defending us. Look at 1 John chapter 2. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 1, uh, the author states that he is writing to people that he considers dear. John really, really cares for these people. He says, my dear children. And then he says this. He tells them that he is writing this letter to help them not to sin. Uh, but there's this touch of sarcasm in there when he says, but if anybody does sin. Uh, in other words, what he's saying is, I know you guys are going to mess up because we're all human beings. Uh, let me give you some directions to help you when you do mess up. And let me give you some things to remember. That's what he's saying in, in, in chapter 1. And he says this. Uh, he says that we have an advocate. Jesus Christ as our Father, and that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That word advocate in the Greek literally means a defense attorney. So Jesus is your and I's defense attorney. To put that in a modern sports terminology, Jesus is the greatest relief pitcher in all of history. He strikes them out every time. Jesus is your defense attorney. He is the greatest relief pitcher in all of history. There's another word in there. That word is atoning. That's kind of a different word. We probably don't use that word a whole lot in, you know, our everyday usage. Uh, in the Hebrew and the Greek, the word atonement literally means covering. Jesus' death on the cross, past, present, and future, atoned or covered for all of our sins. And he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is our defense attorney. He is the greatest relief pitcher in the history of the world. And we can bank on it. No matter what we're going through, God has our back. Let me illustrate that real quickly uh, for you guys. Uh, I have over here um, a rusty spring. Uh, my wife enjoys garage sale shopping. And so if I tell her, hey, can you get me something? I always enjoy seeing what she'll find. And so I said, give me something kind of junky. And she's like, here, a rusty spring. But a lot of times, um, you and I might feel like, like this rusty spring. Uh, we're pretty, we feel junky. We feel worthless. We feel useless. And see, with, without Jesus in your life, we're going to feel that way. But when you have Jesus in your life, he is the atoning sacrifice. He covers over our blemishes and makes something special out of us. And so, um, just like this rusty spring is worthless, uh, once we cover it up, though, and uh, we're covered by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is precious. It covers our sins. And we are covered in the blood. Just like uh, this pillowcase uh, covers this rusty spring. And we are now uh, covered in the blood of Jesus. But this is what happens. Satan will do anything he can to remind us, uh, remind us of our past. He'll come over to you and he'll, he'll say... You're not really covered in the blood of Jesus. Do you remember how worthless you are? You, you're, you're nothing but junk. And so we have two options. Option number one is we can believe Satan's lies. Or option number two is that we can call our defense attorney to our side. We can make a call of the bullpen. The relief pitcher comes in and he will always defend us. Jesus is the greatest defense attorney, the best relief pitcher in all of history, and he will defend those who are in Christ Jesus. But Satan's pretty good. He's been doing this for quite some time. And to learn a little bit more about his tactics, let me encourage you to turn to the book of Job. 
Let me encourage you to the book of Job, and we're going to look at the first chapter of Job. Uh, Job is right found like close to the middle of your Bible. The book of Psalms is right in the middle. So if you find the book of Psalms, it's the book right before it is the book of Job. Uh, historically, we believe that Job uh, was uh, one of the first books to ever happen historically. Even though it's in the middle of your Bible, uh, the story of Job uh, happened really early on in the Old Testament history. And so we can learn a lot about Job because what Satan's been doing here He's been doing for years and years and years and years. And he's gotten really, really good at it. So Job chapter 1, and we're going to pick it up in verse 6. Job chapter 1, verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth in it. You see, Satan is roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth in it, and he is trying to trip us up. He is trying to destroy us. He's trying to, re- to remind us of what we were before Jesus. He's been doing it since the book of Job and way before, and he's doing it now with you and me. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Where's where's the Lord when this is happening? He's in heaven on his throne. God is always on his throne, and he has always got our back, and he always knows what's happening. Verse 9, Satan says this, Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. And as we go through the rest of of Job, Job goes through some pretty difficult times in in his life, and God allows it, but God always defends him. And at the very end of Job, he comes to Job's rescue. He defends him. He's the greatest relief pitcher in the history of the world, and he blesses Job for his faithfulness. But you see, sometimes we need to walk through darkness to appreciate the light. And that's what Job had to do. Psalm 23 says, Even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, all this darkness around me, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the light of God is with me. Because we have God with with us. And he is the greatest defense attorney, the greatest relief pitcher in all of history, and he has your back. I was thinking to myself the other day, when we have God in our lives, when we have Jesus, he's our defense attorney. We can go to him any time, and and we know that he will defend us. Uh, We know that he will help us out. We know that he will give us wisdom. We know he's the greatest relief pitcher in all of history. Why then don't we go to him more often? Why, why, why don't we go to Jesus more often with our problems? And th- this thought occurred to me. We don't go to Jesus more often because even though we know that without the blood of Jesus, um, we are nothing, we still think there's this small, itty-bitty part of us that thinks, I'm good enough. I can do it on my own. I don't need Jesus today. I got things all figured out. 
And that's when Satan will creep in and he will plant seeds of doubt. He will manipulate and deceive to try to get you to believe what you were, once were. If we call on Jesus, he's the greatest defense attorney in all of history, the best relief pitcher. We need God. I believe one of the root sins here that John is addressing is that of our pride. Even though we have the gospel of God's grace, sometimes we think we're good enough. We can do it on our own. We don't need God. I, I can rely upon God. I'm good. I make six figures a year. My kids are okay. I'm good. We need to rely upon God's grace. I believe this. Uh, I believe that a lot of people come to church on a Sunday morning and you feel broken. You feel battered. You, you, you feel hurt. And that's because Satan is after you, trying to remind you of what you were. This is all you need to do. Call our defense attorney. Make a phone call to the bullpen because the relief pitcher's coming in. And he's going to strike Satan out and he will give you joy and he will give you peace. So let me encourage you to do that and to do that today. The second way in which we as believers in Jesus can stay in the light and not stay in darkness is that we need to be straight up and our love for Jesus needs to be known. We need to be straight up and our love for Jesus needs to be known. You know, this is why I love the Bible. Because the Bible is straight up. Isn't that great? The Bible is like one of the, it's so straight up. It just tells it how it is. I love that. Uh, a few years ago, I went over to Israel and uh, also found that in the area, the neighborhood that I was living in, there were some Yemeni students. And so I decided that I wanted to read the Quran uh, to get to know a little bit more about why they believe what they believe and to be able to dialogue with them better. This is what I found out. The Bible, God's word, ultimately only has one author, God, but it's been written by over 40 different authors on over three different continents spanning over 2,000 years, and there is not one contradiction in it, and it's changing people's lives, and it's straight up. It tells it how it is. The Bible tells it how it is, and it shows man for who he is. It shows our flaws. It shows the areas that, uh, that we uh, need to prove upon. The Quran, written by one guy, 600 AD, and that does not show man for what I believe. It's not straight up. does not show man uh, for who he is. The Bible is straight up. I love it. And we're going to look at this way in which we need to be straight up uh, for God and make his love well known. Turn to 1 John chapter 2 again. And uh, we're going to be looking at verse 3. Remember, God is our defense attorney. He's the greatest relief pitcher in all of history, and he has your back. All you need to do is rely upon him. Here's another way in which we can remain in the light and shun darkness. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, God's word says this. We know that we have come to him if we keep his commands. That's pretty straight up, right? If, if we love God, we're going to keep his commands. I'm going to give a quick parenting tip. I don't have any kids, okay? So this might not, you know, you might take this with a grain of salt. But here's a quick parenting tip because my parents did this to me and it worked. When I was being disobedient, when I was being rebellious, my parents would look at me and say, if you love me, you'll obey what I say, you'll honor me. And I was so mad because you know what? They're right. If, if, I, if, I, if, I, if we truly love 
our parents, if we truly love someone, um, we'll honor them. And if we truly love God, we'll honor him as well. Don't say you love God if you won't keep his commandments. In verse 4, John says this. He says, whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Whoa, that's pretty straight up, right? Uh, If you say you know God but you don't do what he says, you're a what? A liar. You're a what? A liar. That's that's what this verse is saying. Uh, It's straight up. Talk is cheap. But if you want to reflect God's light, you must obey what he says. Uh, Verse 5, but if anyone obeys his word, the love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. We as believers in Jesus need to be straight up. We need to be straight up and and live for God. Let me ask you a couple questions. When is the last time you thought to yourself, I know I have the, I, I know I feel the love of God in my life. When is the last time you felt compassion for someone? Do you feel like you have to be someone that you are not? Uh, let me illustrate that real quickly. Uh, I have here a, a, a head with me, and it might be a really recognizable person. You might recognize who this is. Okay, if you don't know, this is our senior pastor, Pastor Jim Brown. I think so many times we as believers think that we have to be just like Jim Brown. I have to run 10 miles a day. I have to have the most energy in the world. I have to have this charismatic personality and people instinctively flock to me. I have to be Jim Brown. You need to be who God has created you to be. And in that way, you'll be a light for him. I can't be a Jim Brown. You know why? I'm not Jim Brown. I need to be a Daniel Cosentino. And in doing so, I can better reflect God's glory. Here's my question to you, though. Who are you trying to mask? What are you trying to hide behind? I believe a lot of people hide behind their past achievements. Well, in high school, I bowled a 300. In college, I was on the dean's list. I did this, I did that. Without Jesus, we are nothing. What's your mask? What are you trying to hide behind? Are you straight up? Do people know that you love Jesus? What's your facade? We're going to do a quick exercise. This is what I want you to do. I want you to look down at what you are wearing right now. Look at your shoes, your pants, your shirt, and the main link. Just take a quick look. You know, look at what you're wearing. I'm going to ask a couple questions, and uh, let's see how you guys do. All right? Question number one, do you guys remember, who here remembers by a show of your hands what you wore yesterday? Raise your hand. If you can remember, and the link to, if you can remember what you wore yesterday. There's, a, there's some people I see here who does, they don't even remember what they wore yesterday. All right, you can put your hands down. Next question. Do you remember what you wore Last Sunday. If you can remember what you wore last Sunday, raise your hand. All right, some of the hands are trickling down here. All right. Next question. If you can remember what you wore a month ago, it's July 20th, by the way. If you can remember what you wore June 20th, raise your hand. 
okay, there's like three people here, and I don't believe them. But there's three, there's three, there's three people. They're probably, they're probably on vacation. And so like, yeah, I was wearing vacation-y stuff, you know, or something like that. This is, this is my point. People aren't going to remember what you wore yesterday probably, a week from now, a month from now. What they will remember is your authenticity and did you point them to Jesus? Quit spending so much time focused on this stuff. Now, I'm not saying come to church in a bunch of rags. I am saying is focus on what's important. What's most important are people are going to realize how much you care for them and your authenticity for Jesus needs to shine through that. They're not going to remember what you are a week from now. They're not going to remember what you are a month from now. Focus on what really, really matters. Abraham Lincoln said this, you can fool all, the, all of the people some of the time, some of the people all the time, but you can't fool all, fool all the people all the time. You're not going to be able to fool everybody. You can't fool everybody. So, so why are you trying? Don't put on a mask. Don't put on a facade. You know what the hardest part is about putting a mask and a facade on? It is exhausting. It's tiring. You know Why? Because you're trying to fake who you are. You have to fake it at home. You have to fake it at work. You have to fake it at the grocery store. You have to fake it all the time. It's exhausting. Fear does that to people. It paralyzes people. It makes you do things that you otherwise would not do. The ultimate root of hypocrisy and masking things is fear. And when you break from that fear and you break through those chains, God's freedom is so liberating. So my question to you is, are you faking it? Are you hypocritical? How would people, if, 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 they, if you'd ask them what they thought of you and your walk with Jesus, what would they say? Ask them. Ask your kids. Ask your coworkers. Ask your neighbors. They know. They know. Focus on what's most important. The external is not what's most important. Reaching people and having authentic, godly life is the most important thing because people aren't going to remember that. They're going to remember what you did for them and how your life impacted them for Jesus. That's what they're going to remember. Remember, we got Jesus as our defense attorney. He's the greatest relief pitcher in all of history. We can go to him whenever we want. Are you too prideful, though, to go to Jesus? Christians need to be straight up. We, we don't need to mask things. Uh, there's freedom in, 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 in the cross. It's liberating. Let's not fake it as believers and, and people, at Grace, people who know Grace Community Church. Uh, let's pray that they know that to be true. Let's set the world on fire with, with being Christ's followers and not worrying about the ex, those minute external things. One other way in which we can walk in light and not be in darkness is found in 1 John chapter 2. It's found in verse 9. Actually, I'm going to go back. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, John gives a brief aside. He just wants to remind uh, his followers of something. So let's go back to that. 1 John chapter 2, verse 7. John says this. 
He says, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you might be confused by that. You're like, old command, new command? I told you this, but I didn't tell you this? Like, what is he talking about? This, this, is, what he, this is what John's saying. He's saying, what I'm telling you, the command to, to love one another, that's not really a new command, but its manifestation is now in Jesus. And when you follow Jesus for the first time, there was this freshness. There was this newness. There was this excitement to following Jesus. Never lose that freshness. Never lose that excitement. Can I ask you a question? When someone comes in a relationship with Jesus and you hear about it, how do you feel? Are you like, well, not a big deal. You know, we have that happen all the time here at Grace. It's, you know, whatever. Are you excited because a miracle has taken place? Do you have this freshness, this vitality, this newness in your walk with Jesus? Because if you do, it'll help you to stay in the light be walking with Jesus at all times. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. John says this. This is a third way in which we can remain in the light, in which we can uh, make sure we continue to follow and to walk with Jesus. 1 John 2, 9 says this. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. If we want to light it up for Jesus, we want to be a light for Jesus, remain walking according to God and his standards. Uh, We need to remember, uh, we need to check our anger at the door. We need to check our anger at the door. Uh, John uses the words hate and anger. We can't hate or, or have anger toward a brother in the Lord. You see, anger colors our vision so that we cannot see clearly. And uh, let me demonstrate that here real quickly. Uh, I have with me uh, a jar, and uh, this jar represents uh, the lens in which we view things. This is our perspective. Everyone has a, a perspective, and we all, uh, based on our experiences, we all have uh, various perspectives, experiences, bias. And so this jar with water just represents how we see the world. And uh, the light of Jesus, when we, can, when we, we, have, we have Jesus in our life, we, we can see light. We can see things more clearly. Uh, but anger clouds our vision. We know that. When you, we start seeing red. Uh, so say, for instance, that something negative happens. Um, you're in line at the funnel cake tent at, the four, at 4-H, and someone butts in front of you. That makes you angry. You've been in line a long, long line, and that makes you really upset. And they're not nice about it. They butt in front of you, and so that makes you a little bit angry. And the whole parking problem, that makes you angry. And the smells make you angry. And you try to go to the concert tonight, and you can't get in. That makes you angry. And so it starts to color our perspective on things. And so when we start looking through our lens, what do we see? We start seeing red. It colors our perspective. And then we decide to do what? We decide to go to bed. We don't talk about it with our spouse. We don't have a forgiving heart. And so when we wake up in the morning, what happens? We're even angrier. And that's the way it works. If we, don't, if we go to bed and we don't have this forgiving, loving attitude, we, you'll wake up in the morning 
even angry. And so that, that clouds our perspective. And then before you know it, angerness will eventually lead to bitterness. Anger clouds our perspective. All we do is we see red, and then eventually we get bitter. This is what I believe. I believe that life uh, pushes people in one of two directions. It really does. It pushes people in one of two directions. If you go to Greencroft, you go to any type of nursing home, you'll find, I believe, two different types of older people. You have the sweet, nice, gentle, caring, loving, old, older lady, let's put it that way. And then you, you have the next person, which is mean, grumpy, bitter, a pain. You have that grumpy, that grumpy guy. Life is hard on everybody, but if we have the love and forgiveness of Jesus, it will soften us and make us more gentle and help us in our perspective of things. So my question is, as we go along this road in life, are you going to be that sweet, gentle, loving person who understands God's goodness and grace to the end? Are you becoming an angry and bitter person? I believe that there are three ways in which we can hang, uh, handle our anger and make peace. Three ways. Number one is that we can be a peacemaker. We can be a peacemaker. And so but when something happens to us and we get upset, we can handle that in a godly fashion. We can go to the person that hurt us and uh, we can confront them lovingly, gently, have restoration and forgiveness. And uh, we can be peacemakers. We can also be peacebreakers. We can be peace breakers. We, we allow our anger to make us bitter. And uh, we don't have anything to do with forgiveness or restitution. We're going to do things our way, and we're all about getting a little bit of revenge. Or you can be the third thing. You can be a peace faker. A peace faker. That's what we call being passive aggressive. And so when something happens, you pretend like nothing's wrong. Is anything wrong? No, nothing's wrong. I can sense you're angry. No, nothing's wrong at all. I'm okay, you know, not a big deal. But deep down inside, you're going to try to get back at that person. You're going to try to give them the silent treatment. You're going to try to cook them some bad food and make sure that they got stuff in their food, you know. You're going to to do what it takes to get back at them in a passive, aggressive way. Peace fakers are just as destructive as peace breakers. Of those three options, one is the biblical godly approach to be a peacemaker. And in doing so, it'll erase, erase that color, our, that anger from our eyes. And we can better love and we can better forgive people. Otherwise, we'll get anger, angry and bitter. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, anger for, for me and for our family um, was a generational sin. Um, something that my father and my grandfather really, really struggled with. And I've shared this before in previous sermons. Uh, my grandfather does not know the Lord. His, his father left him when he was a little kid, and he held that against God and against people. He got very angry, and he got very bitter. And so he was verbally abusive with my father. But something happened to my dad when he was a senior in college. He found Jesus. 
and the anger and the abuse that was passed on to him, my dad was able to handle it in a godly fashion. And instead of angry, being angry and abusive, he's passing down onto me a more loving and gentle attitude. You see, no matter what that generational sin is, through Jesus Christ, you can defeat it. And you can pass on a loving, gentle, tender spirit to your kids and your grandkids. It is possible. Are you walking the light? Or are you walking the darkness? All these three examples, which one do you struggle most with? Do you struggle with your pride? Not fully relying upon God in all things? Man, Jesus is the greatest defense attorney this, this, this side of the Mississippi. I'm sorry, the world. Jesus is the greatest defense attorney in the world. He's the greatest relief pitcher. You can go to God and rely upon him for everything. Are you trying to mask things? Are you trying to hide who you really are? Trying to fake it? Are you struggling with anger? Are you struggle, struggling with, hating people, with hatred in your heart? Because that will color your vision. Here's a beautiful thing about all these things. Through the light of Jesus Christ, we can have victory. It's no, no matter what issue you're struggling with, no matter what things you are facing, through God, you can have the victory. Can you imagine what our world would look like, what Goshen would look like if we remained in light and we took care of these things, people would see a difference. They would see a change. Which one are you struggling with? And are you going to do something about it? Are you going to give it over to the Lord? Because he'll help you. He's always got our backs. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. God, just uh, so thankful for today. And just pray that you'll help us to be people that want to remain the light and not in the darkness. Help us to be people that desperately care for you and for your son. Uh, Help us to be individuals that want to be in your light. And in doing so, uh, we rely upon your grace. We don't fake it. We don't mask it. Um, we withhold our anger, but we do it in the right way, the biblical way. Um, and, and we uh, focus on the forgiveness and restitution and to being peacemakers instead of peace breakers or fakers. Help us to be people that radically change your world. Help us people to see a difference even uh, if we're uh, accompanying a float down uh, Main Street. Let us do whatever it takes to be light, reflect us of your life, and give us a good week. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, have a great week at the fair and eat some funnel cake for me. You guys are dismissed.